Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, this is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions, LLC, located in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. Welcome back to our podcast. It's been a while since we've recorded. It was, we moved. That's all we have to say. (laughs) (laughs) We moved and lots of things changed and we're still trying to figure out a safe, quiet space to record in. So there's a little more feedback in this one than we would like, but we still haven't figured out at our new location how to do this. (laughs) But we're proceeding forward. So uh, my name again is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor here in uh, Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. I'm joined by Kate Byler. Kate, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Kate Byler. I'm just about to finish up my master's degree at Jefferson University for trauma and community counseling. And I will soon no longer be an intern, (laughs) which is awesome. So, um, yeah, I've just been here for almost two years now, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. I know. (laughs) Almost two years. And so... Like Sharon said, we've been busy with the move, but I feel like things are finally dying down, which is nice, which makes us want to get back into doing these things. Yeah, because we really do love the podcast, and we'd love to hear your ideas for podcasts. Because sometimes we record the podcast thinking, like, it's going to be helpful. Yeah. But so far, our two most popular podcasts (coughs) are the podcast on manipulative behavior and on sex. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, would love to hear ideas from you as to things you would want counselors to sit around and talk about, because mm-hmm. that's what we like to do. So today we're going to talk about um, how our spirituality, our God image, is very shaped by our own experiences growing up in whatever parental system we had growing up. Right. And... Because many times people want to have more spirituality, want to have more relational connection mm-hmm. with God, but they don't know how to get there. Yeah, and sometimes it's um, your people forget. I think that you grow up in one way for so long, and what are the developmental years of your brain that it, you just associate any type of authority or how even sometimes I think teachers or nannies whatever has been like the main people in your life shaping you to how you see yourself and how you see God and how that correlates yeah it it's not just our parental right figures it's other authority figures Mm -hmm. um maybe I have somebody who's been abused by a church leadership individual maybe they've been sexually abused by a priest um how can I move towards God when a person who represents God has harmed me? Yeah. Very difficult concept for most people. Right. Um, and then we have the whole idea of all the rules that many religions introduce Yeah. to the system. Yeah, or if you've grown up in the church, depending on your church, it's about works or being the best person you can be 
kind of cultivating that perfectionism too to like if I do this God will be happy with me and Mm -hmm. if I don't do this like I just won't get blessed and it's just becomes like a lifestyle whether you notice it or not I think it's true um so let's talk about how that impacts people and their ability to have spirituality first um what does an individual who's had a bad authority experience or a bad authority model do to move towards understanding that more? Well, <laughs> that's a really great question. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to understand the question you're asking. All right, so I'll start, and I'll start. I'll like I just made that question up as we were talking, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm thinking about how um, when we grow up in a system where we don't have a good relationship or we've had some type of abusive model Mm. that we don't know how to move towards having a spiritual understanding or connection. And a lot of my clients don't even understand Mm -hmm. why they don't. They want to have a relationship with God, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't, f- or they want to have more spirituality, but they don't know how to move towards it because it's relational. Yeah. I think something that anyone can do, I mean, part of it could be like your therapeutic relationship with your counselor, but also other relationships where it's almost like backfilling, like you're experiencing a spiritual mother or someone in context of a safe relationship to show you the sides of Christ that maybe were never shown to you growing up as a kid. I think that's something tangible anyone can go out of their way and find and do depending on your group of friends, maybe someone in your family, someone in your church, or again, even in the counseling relationship you can see that people aren't always unsafe all the time or going to punish you right. for the things you do wrong or judge you or um, make you feel guilty. Um, I think that's been really freeing for a lot of people that come to therapy where you can express and be like, I'm not going to be punished or chastised for something I'm, I'm struggling with. Right. Definitely. Um having somebody be able to be okay with your stuff is so healing Mm -hmm. because it's not the shame element that maybe you've grown up with. I was thinking even um, in the therapeutic process, a lot of my clients don't even know that they have God issues. Mm -hmm. They don't even... they, They think that they have a relationship but their words are yeah i'm working on that i'm going to keep working on that until i'm i'm done i'm like yeah but that's just (laughs) that's a lot of works you know that's Mm -hmm. that's not even how got how a good parent accepts a person Mm -hmm. is not based on works Mm -hmm. so therefore even if a good parent doesn't accept people based on that that's also how god is Mm -hmm. um so I think the therapeutic process is very helpful for helping people spot out or spot. I don't know where spot out came from. <laughs> spot 
aspects of self that they didn't really understand were impacting their spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, having to be okay with not being okay <laughs> is a really hard part for people that have a, a dysfunctional relationship with God or, like, has grown up with, like, um, in a controlling household or, you know, whatever your past is, a lot of us weren't taught, like, that being not okay is okay. <laughs> and having to just work through that instead of being like, I'm going to get better. If I just do this, I'll get better. If I just do this, I'll get better. But, like, the reality is it's not that easy most and of the time. Sometimes, particularly, like, if you have some kind of brain chemistry problem mm-hmm. in which you have depression or anxiety or or even a more severe brain chemistry dysfunction like bipolar disorder mm-hmm. or something else. The idea is often the Christian community doesn't do a good job of being able to help you be okay with mm-hmm. not being okay. Right. The goal is to be more than okay. <laughs> To be better. <laughs> to be better, to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that somehow, if you have a deep spiritual walk, you'll be okay. Right. Yeah, or if you, like, um, go out and do something good, <laughs> like, read your Bible more instead of being in the presence of God while you're not okay. There's just, like, that balance of, like... Mm. He's the person that you can probably be the most not okay in front of. Like, he's the safest person. But that's usually not our experiences with people growing up. So to just think that way, I think, for a lot of our clients is really hard. It's yeah. not God you have to impress. <laughs> and obviously, that wasn't how God, op- Jesus operated when he was here on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the religious people who were really attacking people who were not in a right place. But he never did that. He was never shaming. Um, he tried to bring wisdom to them as they asked questions. But he never shamed them for who they were. He embraced them no matter what they were. Um, right. And so that's a challenge for a lot of people as well. To know how to move towards God if yeah. they've only experienced this is when I'm acceptable. Mm-hmm. I guess what do you see in our clients or some of your clients that you find are the ungodly roles they put on God the most? Ungodly like, roles is that it they a put in God. Mean, I feel like a, a lot of it is like a mean dad or... Sure. Or... Or a very disconnected dad. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, did, if you had a very emotionally disconnected relationship with your actual father, then how do I emotionally connect um, with a person or a spiritual being in which I don't know how to emotionally connect with an authority figure male? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who was um, abused growing up by a variety of authority figures, including priests. Mm. And so for her, she learned first to connect to Jesus' brother. Mm. And that connecting to, because she had safe siblings. Mm. 
And so it was easier for her to begin to connect to Jesus as her brother than God as her father. Um, so I think sometimes we need to look at different aspects of God, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. Jesus, and then God the Father and say, what can I connect with? Yeah. You know, some people are very easily able to connect with the Holy Spirit, particularly if they're creative. Mm -hmm. And when that becomes safe, they can move on to the next layer. Right. Uh, the Shack is an excellent example of that. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. The movie's pretty close to the book. I haven't... I've read some of the book, but I've never seen the movie. Yeah, so sometimes I really suggest that as a resource for people to begin to, like, delve into it. Mm -hmm. Because the author of the book did a wonderful job of kind of walking out his own spiritual walk, which was very, how, what do you do when things aren't okay, and how do I connect to God if I'm not okay? Mm -hmm. Which is what happens in the movie. I'm not going to disclose the movie to you. But I thought the movie was pretty close to the book, and I think it is. So sometimes I encourage people to, what part of God can you connect to? Did you have a close sibling? Or did you have, uh, are you more in touch with that uh mystical part of the whole of god which is the holy spirit which is very mm -hmm. artistic and uh doesn't you know start figuring out what feels safest to begin to connect to because i don't think god the father is going to be like well you're not connecting with me so you can't connect with the holy spirit yeah that's not his nature he's like whoa you're connecting to some part of me i love that right yeah or even if sometimes it's like the opposite, where if you had like a really uh, harsh father growing up, it's easy to connect to the more like feminine sides of God because mm -hmm. you're finally able to experience that or have a place to do that, um, the emotional parts of God. Or maybe it's that you can't at all because your own father wasn't like that. So it's kind of, there's that opposite play too, where you, you can go to either side. It's true. Depending on what you need. And let's not put it all on the fathers. I yeah, mean. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> we have a lot of individuals who have had, you know, very narcissistic mothers mm -hmm. who were controlling or maybe had their own stuff that caused them to be completely distant. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my clients have learned to be very independent as a result of not having maybe mothers they could lean into mm -hmm. as far as nurture. Right. So how do you connect and f really risk with God mm -hmm. when all your life you've learned to be completely independent, to, mm -hmm. almost to a fault? Right. Or mm -hmm. like, I got this because like mom didn't ask me about it, but I had to figure it out on my own. Right. And so when we have to figure out our lives all the time in our growing up years, whether it's with dad or mom, don't don't email us about dad or mom issues, please. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, that very that very uh, narcissistic guilting and shaming us. Those clients, they always have very guilt and shame mm -hmm. issues with God. Mm -hmm. Like the second they do anything, it's immediately uh, shame, 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 and really feel like they have to work hard mm -hmm. to regain. The approval of God. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. No. Because that would... I mean, that just goes against his character. But again, you don't really think that way. <laughs> when you're 
raised in certain environments or strict environments or sometimes not strict environments but the environments where you could do whatever you want <laughs> exactly then how do you how did you how do you begin to even understand the discipline and boundaries of god mm-hmm um, yes, boundaries are hard to understand when you've grown up in a boundaryless world. And yet God's, God's whole desire for the boundaries is just to protect us. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, I think with uh, some teens that I have worked with in the past years I don't ha- that haven't had many strict rules in their households or they're basically their own parent and could do whatever they want, mm-hmm. have a, they kind of see God as just like a person that keeps all these rules that doesn't let them do fun things Um, because of just, they just have never learned what loving discipline can look like. So it's definitely a a process that you have to figure out once you hit that age of like, oh, this is something I've seen my whole life and now I have to kind of unwrap this. But it happens with everyone, which is why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. So this is so. Let's kind of summarize like different parenting problems mm-hmm. that could create or authority figure problems because mm-hmm. you know sometimes you have you didn't have a bad parent who was abusive, but maybe you had an abusive teacher, right, or another authority figure. So the first realm. When we look at like our genogram, when we're mapping out families, is mm-hmm. um, very emotion emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, sexually abusive, religiously abusive, or even physically abusive. Yeah, those issues impact your God image. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next layer would be a very disconnected parent. Right, not a parent that's not able to connect with you on an emotional level. Right. Maybe they were task-focused. Maybe they were raised in an abusive home themselves, so they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always say, when you know better, you do better. So sometimes these parents, they didn't know any better. Yeah. They just did what they knew to do. Um, so a very disconnected emotionally parent. So there was little nurture. Mm-hmm. Very little nurture, very little relationship based mm-hmm. on connecting relationally maybe Mm. task focused but not relationally focused maybe um also like neglect so like a parent that maybe works a lot or i mean a parent like maybe you just didn't grow up with one of your parents (laughs) true um that would impact that a lot yeah now don't if you're a single parent out there don't beat yourself up on it i mean you're doing the best you can and 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 I'm sure you think about that all day, every day. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Things are better when you have the additional resources available. But sometimes you can't be with that person because of the amount of harm that's being done to you and or your child. Sure. Yeah, the smarter decision, just remember, if you have your child's best interest, you're keeping your kids safe and your family safe, and that's the most important thing. So. Safety is, safety is. So then you re- reach out to other people mm-hmm. in the community, other resources, and then maybe the over-enmeshed family. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Forgot about that. Can you talk about an enmeshed family? What would that look like, Kate? 
Uh, I, so I think some of that would be, oh man, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is a family not willing to call each other out or like loyalty to the point of enmeshment where it's harmful. Oh, so yeah. protecting one another constantly because you're so enmeshed and like can't hurt this other person or you don't want to see this person fail that you're constantly protecting them um if that makes sense maybe yeah, put it better <laughs> well, well no i think it's i think it's a good analogy it's like i'm carrying the problems of another person which is really not your design mm-hmm. it's never a child's design to carry the problems of an adult mm-hmm. or an adult to carry the problems of their other like, say, their spouse. Right. So in a meshed family, everybody looks for other people to carry their problems for mm-hmm. them. Um, very codependent. You know, usually there's a narcissist in there somehow. Mm-hmm. Not always, but uh, where that person is very guilting and shaming the other individuals into taking care of problems that are really not their problems. Mm-hmm. Um and then what happens in these overmeshed families is a lot of anxiety is constantly present. Yeah. And um, I think some kids or high schoolers or something living in this have a hard time finding their next season of life because they need to stay with the family or check in on mom and dad or... Um, feel responsible in some way when like really their next season is to start becoming an individual and more independent in ways that will have them thrive right in the future but instead it's this oh I need to make sure my mom is doing okay or brother's okay or dad's okay you know whatever role you want to kind of put in that blank feeling guilty about that Right, and so I always give it back to somehow people in religious communities sometimes um, speak that it is the responsibility mm-hmm. <laughs> of other individuals to help carry um, a problem for them because Jesus himself carries our burdens. However, when we look at how Jesus operated when he was here on earth, uh, he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Other people's burdens did not become his burden. Right. Even in the place of extreme grief. And people were like, what? Why Mm -hmm. weren't you here? You (laughs) said you were going to be here. And my brother died. Mm -hmm. He's like, woman, I got here as fast as I could. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He he was about doing what he was supposed to be doing about his own life. But then he also took care of people... As it fit into his schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like there's a difference between like solely carrying someone's burden and being a support for that person. Because I think like Jesus was a support to like Mary or, you know, these people that he came in contact with or the disciples. But he wasn't, he didn't do it for them. Like he, but he was supportive person to the to a healthy point where it wasn't, you know, controlling his life. And that's where that enmeshment piece is like, it becomes like so controlling. It's, it's your like decision make, it's what makes your decisions. Yes. And that's not the heart of God in any way. Um, (laughs) 
So I think we need to look at the model of what Jesus did. Yes, we are supposed to come alongside of people. Mm -hmm. And that means we can hold their hand as they walk through this process. But we can't carry them through the process. Right. And so enmeshment often forces people to do that. And then anxiety comes in. And then it's very difficult to even own your own spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. Because you're owning the spiritual walk of other people around you. Right. (laughs) As opposed to just owning your own stuff and working on your own stuff. Um, So all of these issues point to a need for working on more of our own individual issues so that we can be healthy Mm -hmm. spiritually for other people. Yeah. And so you can... I mean, I think we forget as Christians, like, Jesus wants you to live your best life and, like, feel good about it, not feel terrible the whole time. Oh so it's just, like, freedom. And it's it's never one of those things where you, like, realize it and then go to bed and you wake up and it's better. It's just every day you see it and you work through it and you make healthier choices every day and it gets easier. But I think... Sometimes the idea of suffering in Christians is, like, so skewed (laughs) that, like, Jesus is like, no, I just want you to be, like, free from this stuff so you can be happy. (laughs) Right. Because, like, Christ wants you happy. He doesn't want you to feel like you're suffering all the time. (laughs) I don't think—I think we've taken that out of context in a lot of ways. And so getting—working through these things is— the person like I think Christ intends us to be it's true so if anything in this discussion about enmeshment (laughs) resonates with you I encourage you to read the book Boundaries by John Townsend and Henry Cloud you know maybe you have enmeshment with your children maybe you have enmeshment with your teenagers maybe you have enmeshment with your spouse which is really really common Mm mm-hmm um, I encourage you to read any of the Boundaries books on those topics. Boundaries with children, boundaries with teens, boundaries in marriage. Because we need to get clear that it's not necessarily a spiritual thing to carry things for other people. Yeah. We walk with them, but we don't carry the problem. Yeah. And that's when a lot of my clients find freedom. Yeah. And it also like knowledge is a lot of freedom because... <laughs> Sometimes you also just need the knowledge to know that you were kind of trained to do this. Yes. <laughs> Not speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> but it's like you've been put in a place where you can be orchestrated to carry people's problems. And it's freeing to know, oh, wow, that was me. Okay, I can work through this. And, like, those boundary books help a lot. And talking to someone helps a lot. So it's not something to be ashamed of. It can be freeing to just know that. Absolutely. So you're not stuck in that cycle day in and day out. Because I think people are surprised at how common that is of being um, the helper or whatever mm-hmm. you, whatever term you want to call I it. I call it the parentified child. Right. <laughs> it's pretty common. <laughs> it is very common. I, I was that way as well. Okay, so... So my final analogy is we can learn to do anything different. Um, So tonight on this on my Facebook page, I'm putting on a video that I've used many times throughout the years in which a man redesigned a bicycle and then had to teach himself how to ride the bicycle backwards. Mm. You know, the idea is it took a lot of practice Mm -hmm. and we 
have to practice doing it different over and over and over until we can get it. It's not like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Right. Well, you, you can teach yourself to ride a bicycle backwards, but you have to put a lot of time and effort into doing it differently mm-hmm. and operating differently. And so it becomes a very disciplined process of just learning to do different. But I promise you, you can have a different spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. You can have a different understanding of your spirituality and God mm-hmm. when you work on your stuff. Yeah, and find supports that have for of people that are like rooting you towards that point, I think. Sure. Because it can be hard to do that by yourself. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. It can so feel small groups, codependent mm-hmm. groups, Al-Anon groups, any of those types of groups are going to push you to doing different. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all really great resources. Yeah. Any final statements? I don't think so. Okay. That was a good discussion. (laughs) And we hope to do more of these. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.